Hey, this is Steve Thomas. Welcome to Budge. You ever wonder what makes top performers top performers? I mean, they are actually a top performer for a reason, but it turns out that some of those reasons are a little different than maybe what you would think. Well, we're going to talk about four things that make top performers top performers and what separates them from everybody else. Hope you enjoy and just see what you can pull out of this to apply to you and your teams. Today, we are talking about the world according to great performers. And this is something, honest to God, I put this together several years ago and have not talked about it much at all. And just recently started putting together a whole session that I'm going to call the Lynchpin Team Player. I don't know if you're familiar with what a linchpin is or not. I'm sure you've heard this. I'm sure you've heard this term. A linchpin is, and I, I'm not going to talk technical here because I don't know if I could fully explain it, but the linchpin is a piece uh, that goes into the axle of uh, an automobile or of uh, a carriage that without that piece in there, the whole thing falls apart. And so the linchpin is a critical critical part of the entire overall function of, again, the car or the, the carriage, whatever that linchpin goes into. And it's so important for us to understand what it means for an individual to be that linchpin in an organization. So several years ago, I wanted to know what it is that made people believe that they were valuable and indispensable to an organization or to a team of any kind, really. And so I began to ask that question to uh, adults that I was working with, to teenagers I was working with at the time. Anybody I was sitting at Starbucks with just having casual conversation, I would say, what do you believe makes somebody, they're like, where's this coming from? What do you believe makes somebody valuable or indispensable to a team? In other words, that linchpin, what is that what is it that makes somebody a linchpin to their team or to their organization? And um, so that was several years ago. I've collected all kinds of information. I've studied this for a long time. Uh, I, I have, beyond today, I have several lists that I have kind of used over the years, kind of depending on context and that kind of thing. There are a lot, a lot, a lot of things that make us valuable to a team or to an organization, both in your life and in and in your leadership. And um, I'm putting together this whole session called the Lynchpin Team Player. Some of this stuff you're going to hear today is going to be in that session because this is stuff I think we overlook. I think when I go through this, I, I don't think this is going to be any shock to you. I don't think this is going to be a flashpoint like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about that before. I think all of the stuff you probably heard about, you've probably thought about, but putting together in this context, I think it causes us to kind of rethink a little bit what causes me to be a quote-unquote top performer. What am I looking for in other people for them to be a top performer? But again, if you're with a team, if you're a leader of a team or you, you belong to a team, you're on a team that you can have this conversation with, I think these four things that we're going to chat about today is going to challenge every person to really begin to think through what they can do to become a better performer in whatever they do. So I know the word performer is probably an odd word to use because I'm not talking about the entertainment world or the sports world. I'm just talking about 
anything you're doing, any performance that you're taking on to create something that you want to create with a positive outcome, these four things are four things that I've noticed. And that again, I've studied this over the years of what top performers do to make them what we consider a top performer. Or again, using the new language I'm using, a linchpin team player. So this is again for your life, your leadership, basically anywhere uh, that you are wanting to grow and that you're wanting to, to move on to the next level. So I don't know what you think about when you think of top performers. Um, I know a lot of people, in fact, one of the answers I got back a lot when I was asking that question is uh, talent, skill, talent and skill. And, and people believe that talent and skill alone is what makes them valuable or indispensable to an organization or to a team or to, you know, whatever they're a, a part of. And I, I am not naive enough to believe that talent and skill doesn't matter. However, we all know and we've all heard of and we've all watched on television a load of very, very talented individuals that seem to can't make it on a team. A load of talented individuals, very skilled people, very smart people that sometimes have sometimes they have a real difficulty um, functioning on a team or functioning with a team. And those are the people I've noticed that we really do not refer to them as a top performer. So the skill and the intellect and the experience and, and you know the talent in and of itself alone is really not enough. So what do these performers do? What do these people do? What sets them apart from, uh, you know, from other people that do what they do? And some of this stuff too, and in fact, I, I would say pretty much all of this stuff, you're going to be able to use not just as an individual, but also in your team to talk about how your team, your organization fits into these four and what your team or organization can do to use these four things to also kind of move all of you to another level. So anyway, without any further ado, and without any further blabbing on, let me just jump into this, and I want to share with you these four things that I have found that sets top performers apart from everybody else. So number one, a clear perspective. A clear perspective. These people see the big picture, and they also see the details. There is a clear perspective. They know what they want and they go for it. And it's very clear what they want. In other words, they understand the purpose. And I don't want to just have another conversation about know your why and know your purpose. I, that I, I believe in it. I think you should. This goes a little bit beyond that. This is they know exactly what they want out of their performance. They know what they want out of, in some of your cases maybe, they know that what they want out of their work or out of their, their job. Uh, they know what they want out of what they are doing at the time. So yes, it's purpose, but it's a little more than that. There's this very clear perspective of what they want and they go for it. They also obsess on staying true to the critical path. They and even when they're knocked off their critical path, they're still heading in the right direction because they know what that direction is, because of the clear perspective. So it's no secret 
that uh, almost all of us on this call and anybody listening to the podcast has been knocked off our critical path in the last two years. Well, for those organizations or for those people that have this clear perspective of what they want and who they are, they, yeah, we were knocked off, but even knocked off their critical path, they were still heading in the right direction because they knew what that direction was. And when we don't know what that direction is and we're knocked off our critical path, we start wondering about everything. And everything starts looking blurry and everything starts looking muddy and we just don't know. These top performers don't do that. They have a very clear perspective of where they're going, what they want, they know their purpose, but they also have the grit and the perseverance to continue to that purpose and to that direction even when they're knocked off their critical path. Along those same lines, they also know when to say no. Something I am not very good at at all. They know when to say no. In other words, they will cut distractions out of their life or out of their path because they have this clear perspective of where they're going. So there's a purpose there. There's a grit and a perseverance there. And there's a balance that's there because they know exactly where they're going. They know exactly what they want. And they see the big picture, but they also see the small details. So it's one thing to understand uh, purpose and vision and know the big picture of what you want. But it's a whole nother thing to know the details of how I'm going to get there. And so, and again, in the details of how you're going to get there, sometimes you could be knocked off that critical path. We all know this. The easiest way to get where you want to go is a straight line. That's just simply not reality. And sometimes in that straight line, if we're knocked off, you know, we freak out over it and we think, you know, we're bad or we don't know what we're doing or, you know, all these other kinds. Of, again, it gets very muddy and it gets very blurry. These performers know. There's the perspective. There's what I want. They have a clear perspective of where they're going, what they want, and then they also know how they're going to get there. They stay focused on it. They know when to say no. And even when they're knocked off their critical path, they still head in the right direction. So number one, they have a very clear perspective. Number two, a mastery orientation. A mastery orientation. There is this endless pursuit of personal growth. This endless pursuit of personal growth. I've said this for a lot of years. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. I believe great is a journey, and I think good is a destination. And some of you heard me talk about this to great detail. I think oftentimes we rob ourselves of what's great because we settle for good. And I think that's a very dangerous place to stay. Good is a destination. Like literally every organization in your city that does what you do is good at what they do. If they weren't good at it, they, they, they would go out of business. But not every organization is great at what they do. That's what sets top performers apart from just other performers. The great choose to do what the good choose not to do. It's not that the great enjoy doing it anymore, but their enjoyment of it 
is subordinate to the fact that going back to number one, they know where they're going. And because they have this mastery orientation, they have this endless pursuit of personal growth. That they know to get where I want to be, to stay where I want to stay, there is this endless pursuit of personal growth. So along those lines, here's some things that they do in order to make that happen. They get coached. They get coached. Um, whether they, they, whether they are, it's a friend that they're sitting with and, and saying, okay, tell me what I need to do better and just collecting information from people that they know, love, and trust, or they actually hire a coach. But either way, they get coached. And with that, they listen to feedback and they actually ask for feedback. This is one of the things when I, when I work with teams, man, this is hard. And one of the challenges that I give with teams pretty early on, you know, in the process of working with the teams that I've worked with is I've challenged them to have these conversations with people around them and ask these types of questions. Um, how might I be a problem and how could I help things go better? And my experience has been that is one of the toughest things for people to do. It's tough for people to hear. It's a very vulnerable question to ask, but it's also a very vulnerable question to answer. And so these top performers, they seek feedback. They want feedback. They want to know what they're doing well, but they also want to know what they're not doing well and what they can change. I've been asking this question a lot lately. This is a fun one. And some of you have probably been around some sessions I've asked this. Um, I say, you know, how many of you have blind spots? And of course, everybody's raising their hand. Everybody's got blind spots. I say, okay, what are some of those blind spots? And it's really interesting because, you know, I ask that question and I see people start thinking, hmm, what are some of those blind spots? And they really start thinking about what their blind spots are. And said, finally they go, we don't know what they are because they're blind spots. Exactly. So we don't know what those blind spots are. I had a lady one time at a hospital. I was working with this team. And uh, I said, what are some of your blind spots? She told me two of her blind spots. And I said, yeah, those those aren't blind spots. And oh, no, no, they're blind spots. She was, everybody around her was going, no, they're not blind spots because you know about them. Now, the next question is this. How many of you are relatively sure that some of those blind spots may be holding you back from being the best version of yourself? And again, everybody's going, yep, yeah, they probably could. Okay, then how are you going to know what those blind spots are? There's only one way to know. You have to ask. And I'm telling you, this is, a again, a very vulnerable question to ask, but it is probably even more vulnerable to answer that question because now you're really putting yourself out there. You know, you're putting yourself out there asking. You're really putting yourself out there answering that to somebody. Do they really, truly want to know the answer? Like, you know, what's up? Why are they asking me this? These top performers, they seek out feedback. They want to know what do I need to fix? What do I need to pay attention to? What are my blind spots? They listen to that feedback. They, here's another thing they will do. They will seek out knowledge and growth opportunities. They'll seek it out. You know what they'll do? They will log on to a monthly Zoom cast. Ah, see what I did there? They will listen to podcasts. They will watch TED Talks. They will read the books. They will participate in peer groups. They will do something in which they are seeking knowledge and growth opportunities 
because they know that there's always, always, always more to learn and there's always a place to grow. So they'll seek it out. Um, here's another thing they do. They know their limits and they know their non-strengths. They know their limits and they know their non-strengths. And all of this is under the umbrella of a mastery orientation. They are orientated to mastering whatever it is that they can master. And there's this endless pursuit of personal growth. My all-time favorite NFL player is Peyton Manning. Um, I love Peyton Manning, man. I, 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 honest to God, I could hang out with the guy for a day or a week. And uh, just, I just think he's I, all the way around. I think he's got a great sense of humor. Um, I, I think he's very, very personable. Uh, I personally have not read any amount of arrogance in him whatsoever. I love watching him play uh, because uh, technically he's probably not the quote-unquote best quarterback to ever play the game. But I'm telling you, he's so stinking smart. And he was always on this journey of personal growth and mastery orientation. So much so that in the off-season, I have heard this a few different times, in the off-season, he would take time to, 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 to go get coached. And now you're thinking, here's this you know, two-time Super Bowl winner, uh, regarded, he's Hall of Famer now, regarded as one of the best to ever play the game. You know, his dad was an NFL quarterback, his brother was an NFL quarterback, and yet he takes time out of his off-season, out of his vacation time, to go get coached. And um, I'm telling you, man, that to me is what top performers do, is they are constantly, constantly seeking coaching, constantly seeking ways that they can improve and get better in every part of their life. Here's a quote. This is a Peyton Manning quote. He said this uh, in an interview when he was playing with the Denver Broncos. He said, I love being coached. I get angry when I'm not coached. Now, now think about this. I get angry when I'm not coached. I want to and I need to and I love being coached. I get angry when I'm not coached. Here's what he says. I ask a lot of questions and certainly appreciate any insight and feedback. I think if you ever stop listening to coaching or stop asking questions, you probably need to be doing something else. The guy is emphatic about getting coaching. This is one of the things that top performers do. Constantly seeking better. This mastery orientation that leads them to this endless pursuit of personal growth. All right, number three. This one's a little odd. Positive rivalry. Positive rivalry. They use and they embrace competition. How does competition make you better? Now, I will tell you what I believe is that immature performers do not value competition except for that they want to win. That's it. Top performers value competition. They see and they understand that the competition I'm involved in right now is going to serve to make me better. Now, I don't know how many of you are old enough to remember this Magic Johnson-Larry Bird rivalry from the 80s, possibly into the early 90s. 
But I'm telling you, it is one of my all-time favorite rivalries. These guys, to this day, in interviews, will talk about how the other one made them better. I've heard Magic talk about this a lot. That not just Larry Bird, but Isaiah Thomas and all these other guys he played. That competition is what made him better. And, and I've heard Michael Jordan even kind of talk about that a little bit. Top performers... And they understand positive rivalry. They use and they embrace competition. What can competition do for us in our organizations, in our teams, in our lives, wherever you are? What can competition do? Here's one thing it'll do. It'll push you to become better. Or let me say it this way. It should push you to become better. And when you realize that there are other people doing what I'm doing, and there's this quote-unquote competition for business or for, you know, winning games, whatever it may be, then it should push you to become better. Because if you don't become better, then you will not get and win everything you want to get and win. So when you understand that, you are now valuing competition and understand that it is actually making you better. Here's another thing it does. It helps you to set your standards higher. Remember the good, great thing. There are a lot of good companies, a lot of good companies. In fact, I would say every company out there is a good company, but not every company out there is a great company. So it should push you to set your standards higher. And we should constantly be having these kind of conversations with our team. Okay, here's where we've been for a while. Are we going to stay here? Because if we stay here, somebody else out there is going to set their standard a little higher. And guess what? They're pushing their up. Now what are we going to do? And this positive rivalry Helps, helps our uh, standard to, to, to set just a little bit higher than it was before. So using that and embracing that competition, um, it creates perseverance and it creates resilience. There's all kinds of things that competition can do for you. And for a while, you know, when I was helping coach high school football, this kind of conversation with high school mentality doesn't set in very well. Because all you want to do in high school is just beat the guys and you hate them. And there's just, it's not positive rivalry at all. It's a rivalry, but it's not positive at all. And they don't see how that is that makes them better. But I remember one time we played a team, um, the, the, the team that this was before I was actually coaching a position, but I was at this game. We played a team from Chicago and this team was very, very, very good. And this is the first time I've ever heard a high school coach say this, what I'm getting ready to tell you. So we played this team, and it came down literally to the last few seconds of the game and one yard, and we lost. And they had driven all the way from Chicago, you know, the three and a half hours down to where, where I live here in Springfield. They had driven all that way, last few seconds, and 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 they, they won the game. Well, they're going nuts as they should. And, you know, our guys are crying as they probably should. And rivalry, rivalry. We, we had a four-year contract and they played them four years in a row. So after the game, the two coaches were friends. They get both teams together. Now we're in the middle of the field together. And each coach is going to talk to the all the players. So their coach, his name's Chris, their coach steps up. And he says, listen, everybody played hard. Everybody 
quote-unquote, deserves to win. But here's what you guys need to know. And he pointed to our team, and he said, you guys are the reason we won the game because you guys make us better. And if it wasn't for this guy, and he points to our head coach, if it wasn't for this guy, and it wasn't for you and the kind of program you have, we would not be who we are today. And I was like, who says that? It was like incredible. That's positive rivalry. And this team for years, they actually won four state championships in a row. Probably would have won six in a row, except we showed up and beat them twice. But anyway, that's a whole nother story. So that was that was years later. But anyway, whole nother story, but I'm kind of proud of that. Anyway, so but that's positive rivalry is you guys make us better. Make us better. And that's a hard, hard thing for a high school kid to wrap his mind around. Shouldn't be that difficult for adults to wrap their mind around. That's what top performers do, is they embrace and use competition to make them better. All right, number four, emotional regulation. Emotional regulation. Um, everybody on this call has had high points in your life and you've had low points in your life. Every one of us. Every one of us. And every one of us have high points coming up and every one of us have low points coming up. So, top performers, people that perform well. And I, I actually want you to think about this maybe even a little bit different context. I want you to think about people that you really enjoy being around. Emotional regulation. This is a big deal. We're all going to have highs and we're all going to have lows. And the people who respond to highs and respond to lows and let, 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 and let those highs take them way up beyond reality and let those lows take them way down beyond where they should be, that's tough. And I am not so sure that those top performers are all the way high and all the way low. They know how to regulate emotion. They have the ability to maintain healthy emotional states and stay calm through stress. Regulate emotional states and stay calm through stress. Some of this, honestly, is hard for me to kind of wrap my mind around, and, and I, I hope this doesn't come out wrong, but I'm just not a real stress-oriented individual. Um, I, I, I guess there are times that I do get stressed, but I, I either I have the ability to reframe it, just a God-given ability to reframe it, or uh, I'm so dumb that I don't notice when stress is really happening. Um, and I kind of probably think it's a healthy mixture, <laughs> healthy mixture of both, actually. I think I'm probably a little dumb and naive when it comes to things that I'm, quote-unquote, supposed to be stressed out about. Uh, but these top performers, they have the ability to maintain emotion, to maintain healthy emotional states during those ebbs and flows of life, during those top, those highs and then during those lows. And that's something that not just everybody does. And that's exactly what sets a, a top performers apart from everybody else. Part of that emotional regulation is what's called mental agility. And I don't know if you're familiar with this term, if you've ever heard this term, mental agility. What that means is, and I kind of alluded to it earlier, that even when you're knocked off your critical path, 
you're still heading in the right direction because you're able to think quickly. You're able to make these quick changes mentally. And so, okay, that didn't work. Let's try this. That didn't work. Let's try this. This is what happened to all of us March 2020. There had to be a great, great deal of mental agility. This was, this was tough, man. This is a worldwide pandemic we're facing here. We had probably nobody on this call ever been through anything like this before. And we're trying to think now, what are we going to do? So we're trying to get creative. We're trying to adjust to context. And there's a lot of mental agility going on. That, for some people, was a low. And so the people who, who just let themselves bottom out during that time, they struggled through that time. But the organizations and the teams and the individuals who were able to regulate and maintain that emotional state, that positive emotional state, and reframe crisis, they were the ones that kind of went through this thing a little more smoothly. So this mental agility, uh, Google that sometime and do some study on that. Just read a few paragraphs on that or a couple articles or whatever. This mental agility is a big thing because you can move quickly. And I, I kind of liken this to you know somebody who has a lot of physical agility. And so if you have physical agility and there's an obstacle in front of you, then physically you can move around that obstacle quickly. And it almost becomes intuitive to you to be able to do that, right? This is basketball players. Basketball players can do that. Running backs can do that or at least should be able to do that. And so when you hit that obstacle or you see that obstacle, you perceive that obstacle, then you're able to move quickly around that obstacle. This is mental agility. Is what can I do when I hit these obstacles? To move quickly around these obstacles so that I am maintaining this uh, emotional and mental state that I need to maintain. So Steve, does that, would that be the small minority of folks that are change agents that are actually, maybe not enjoy, but enjoy is not a bad word, enjoy change or, or really adapt to it better? Is that, so, would that be? So yes, possibly. And I wouldn't tell you that they enjoy change or enjoy crisis. What I will tell you is that they embrace change and they embrace crisis. There's a difference between embracing something and enjoying something. And I think sometimes when we say they embrace that, we get the idea like, oh man, yeah, crisis, great. I can't wait for this. Let's throw a party on celebrate crisis. That's not what it's about. It's not enjoying it necessarily, but it's be able to move quickly around that, reframing it, reframing it, seeing it as something differently, and then moving through that. And and I, I so yeah, Kip. I don't know if they actually enjoy it, but they certainly do embrace it. And that goes back to that positive rivalry. I don't know that all the time they enjoy the competition, although there's probably a piece of them that does. But they certainly embrace the competition. You see, um, so yeah. So part of reframing it. So when these teams, when you know, when this pandemic hit, and I, some of you were on this call, but I did, you know. Uh, a Zoomcast then called Don't Waste a Good Crisis and talked about reframing this. What can we do? How are we going to allow this crisis to make us better? Uh, I will tell you this. We are on a Zoomcast today. Some people are listening to a podcast right now because of a worldwide pandemic. This would not have happened without that. I would not be doing Zoom, trust me. Did not want to do Zoom. I didn't want the learning curve, first of all. Probably would not be doing a podcast. And now all of a sudden we got both. People have asked me before to do podcasts. Yeah, I don't really want to do a podcast. I didn't even listen to podcasts very much at all. So um, I don't know that I want to do that. I would not be doing this 
had it not been for crisis. So that's part of that. How can you take this and reframe it, you see? But again, remember this is under the umbrella of emotional regulation. If we allow those things, whether it's competition or crisis, adversity, struggle, whatever that is, if we allow that to take us down, then we don't have the ability, we don't have the emotional capacity to see things differently than just simply crisis or competition or struggle. So they, the, the, these people have the ability to reframe it, use that mental agility to move them around those obstacles that may be in their way. They also have, in their emotional regulation, a response choice. A response choice. There is nothing we can do about obstacles and events in our life. They are going to pop up. Not a thing in the world we can do about it. Literally, the only thing that we can do something about is our response to that event or to that obstacle. That's what these top performers completely understand. Can't control the event. I can only control my response. And, and that response choice is huge. And when I started this number four, I asked you to do this. Think about these people in this context. Who do you enjoy being around? And my guess is all of you enjoy being around people who choose their response in any given situation and not and proactively choose a response and not just reactively start to respond with things that you know, yelling and, and, and screaming and just re reacting and responding in a way that just damages and just throws crap everywhere. That response choice is a major, major piece of this emotional regulation. So let me lay this one on you. And I've used this phrase a lot. This, this, uh, I kind of had this thought process maybe a year and a half, two years ago, maybe. Always strive to have a B response. A B response. B-E, a B response. Now, here's the difference for me. I think when bad things happen to us, we know what we want to do. We know what kind of pain we want to inflict. We know what kind of revenge we want to get. We know we want to set somebody in their place. We know what we want to do. But my question is, who do you want to be after you respond? Do you see? Have a B response. And what that does is it causes me to pause and go, okay, I, I, I know what's welling up inside. I know what I want to do. I might even know what I want to get accomplished, and it might not be a good thing. But who do I want to be in this response? And what that's done for me is it's caused me to sit back and go, okay, I got to choose carefully, more carefully, my response to this particular situation, whatever it may be, especially if it's coming from another individual. So that emotional regulation also has to do with response choice. So what do top performers do? What does the world look like according to top performers? They have a very, very clear perspective. They, they know what they want, and they're going to go after it. They can see the big, they can see the small. They can see the big picture, they can see the details. So they have a very clear perspective. Number two, they have a mastery orientation. A mastery orientation. 
an endless pursuit of personal growth. And, and listen, this is called budge for a reason. I don't ever expect anybody to go leaps and bounds in growth. There are times you're probably going to do that, but whatever you're doing, whatever you're doing, move just a little because those small movements matter. And so these top performers have this mastery orientation and they know slow and steady, slow and steady, just budge there, just scooch there, just get there a little bit at a time. A one or 2% growth is better than no growth at all. So they have this mastery orientation. Number three, positive rivalry. They use and they embrace competition and struggle. They allow that rivalry to make them better. And number four, there's an emotional regulation at play. They have the ability to maintain healthy emotional states and stay calm through stress. And to me, that's just four of the things that set top performers up to be what we would consider top performers. Mm -hmm.